Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. Um, I am back today with a Q&A podcast. Uh, today is Sunday, August 20th. Um, I am finally coming back to life after last weekend's live podcast. That was incredible. Two sold out shows over the course of the weekend. I want to say thank you to every single person um, that showed up. That was such a fun experience and it was so exciting for me to come and um and to see your faces and to take photos with you um and a special special shout out to cream of nature who gave everybody these massive and incredible gift bags i hope that you've tried the products um the products have been sampled in curlbox before and they had they got so many raves that um i was thrilled when they offered to send products for you and so what a steal that was right i think the cost of the product was like the ticket price so you got to hook up um Thank you. Thank you for coming. So on today's Q&A podcast, uh, different uh, different topics. I just went through my inbox. If you want to write me uh, for questions to be answered on the podcast, because I think sometimes people write me just like emails to like write them back. And the 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 podcast email, it's for uh, the podcast. So that is my taught you at gmail.com. So write me and uh, I come through it and find some things I want to talk about. So first question um, comes from a young lady who says she, uh, she started off with the pleasantries, but this is the meat of the question. One of the many things I admire about you is your continued fight to keep your joy, even when things aren't going well. As a woman of color, I am struggling with finding ways to do this work, especially in light of the present political and social landscape. How are you staying hopeful and joyful in a time when it seems like there are so many threats to the progress that we have made as a society? Thank you. Thank you again for everything that you do. So we are currently in some very unfortunate times. Um, I typically stay away from things like this. Like some things that I just don't like to deal with you guys are like religion, um, like love relationships. Sometimes I will dive into that, but not deeply because I'm not an expert and I really don't even think I have the right answer. All I have is my answer. And so I always tell people, take what you need, leave the rest on the floor. And so because I have gotten this question so many times and because she addressed it as like, what do I think? Um, how am I handling it? So that is what I'm going to do. Um, and if you have any more suggestions, I'm so open to them. Please tweet me at my leak. Um, but I've gotten so many of these emails. And so I said, you know what, my leak, just take a stab at it. Um, take a stab at it, girl. So this is my stab at it. You guys, number one, I think you have to get informed. Um, if all of the information that you are getting about the current, uh, state of affairs is on like Twitter or Facebook or even the news, um, I would go out on a limb and say that, Neither of us, all, you know, we aren't incredibly informed. Um, most of the laws that are governing governing your true day-to-day life are coming from your state and local government. Um, so that's where you can have the biggest impact. And so I feel like if you are looking at the news and everything is on this, you know, top national level, uh, we aren't taking into account that like the things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis typically come from our state and local government. Um, I feel like you should find out what your current rights are and what the limits are on your current rights. And so I think so many of us, you guys are super uninformed. You know, we just see 
the negativity and the hate. And I, 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 that is very hard to swallow, right? It's very hard to go places and you walk around and you're looking at people like, how many people hate me right now? Or how many people feel a certain way? I totally know what you mean, but I feel like you have to research the current events in depth, um, do some work and find out all of your local representatives and uh, not just focus on the political landscape, but something that I learned uh, by talking to my wealth managers is like the economic landscape, you guys, because that's what most of this is about is, is this the economy. So economics, cash money. So I would do some of that. So some, some research, some things that I found were this, your state representatives, your delegates and your state senators make the state laws. You need to find your governor who is sort of like the president of your state. They can sign or veto state laws. Um, the school board whose decisions can indirectly affect you, whether you have kids in school or not. Your local officials, which may include a town or city council, county officials, and perhaps a mayor. Uh, many states also elect judges. Look up who all of these people are, what they do, and where you'd most where you're most likely to meet them in person. Um, another tip that I found by scrounging around was to set up custom Google alerts for your representatives and local politicians, so you can thank or rebuke them when they do something noteworthy. And then there are some apps um, that I actually I have the Countable app, but they say Vote Spotter. Uh, and Congress app can help you keep track of your politicians, how your politicians are voting on issues you care about. And then Countable, which I have, provides background information on bills and the main arguments for and against them. And so you can pull it up, Countable, and it has a feed of all of the bills that are, are happening um, you can choose to stay informed about all kinds of topics. You want to keep up with certain politicians. If you want to keep up with what the president is actually doing or not doing, um, you can do that on Countable. So um, that is my first recommendation in terms recommendation in terms of getting informed. The second second thing that I think is the managing the emotions. This is going to be the hardest thing to do because it is mind blowing to watch these things happen right in front of our faces. To physically watch the hate pouring out of the eyes and mouths of people is tough to watch. Um, but I do believe that this group does not represent all people, you know, even if our current leader would like for us to believe that just yesterday, tens of thousands uh, counter protested in Boston. And so I just think that, um, just understanding these things, uh, managing our emotions. Another suggestion I have is to just think deeper. Uh, the things that we're seeing are the symptom of a sickness that we've always known was there, right? Um, if people stop showing their butts on TV, that doesn't mean that they're going to hire us for jobs or give us home loans or any of that stuff that we need to advance economically. So um, we have to make a way for ourselves. We cannot rely on these systems to work for us. It is unfortunate, but it is the truth. And so I said to trade your hope for action, do something, do something for others, do something for yourself. Um, when you learn something, share it. And the biggest thing that you can do is run for office. Um, so that, that those are my tips um, for that. And I'm really sorry uh, to everyone who is kind of going through it right now because it is just a, it is truly a hard, hard time. But I don't want, you know, my friend Ken always says hope is not a strategy, right? So we, we feel the burn, we're upset, but then we have to do something about it. We can't just sit around um, and sort of lick our wounds. We have to trade our hope and our hopelessness for action. 
Okay, the next one, young lady says, my question is kind of straightforward. Not sure if much background is needed, so it'll be brief. Um, this was funny. I was like reading this, like, is this a dating thing? I am a mahogany, dark walnut, 25 year old single mom to a beautiful one and a half year old. I work in a corporate office and I'm the youngest one there. The next closest to my age is 46. I stay with my aunt and uncle at the moment who've been a big help with my daughter. I've had a side hustle slash hobby. I started in 2012 and now it's turning into a full-time business. It's growing successfully and opportunities are coming my way. So she says, this is her challenge. I find myself struggling with the transition of positioning as an adult, as an adult or quote unquote boss, as the millennials say, she said that, not me, basically an authority figure. It's a posture that's respected, which I can't seem to rise to. I'm thinking it's because of the adults in my life at home and at work who I allow to treat me less than an adult. And I don't know how to transition. I know it starts with my mindset, but I think I see myself through their eyes too. I'm younger, so respect your elders. The respect your elders mentality is what I'm stuck in. And I don't want to show as I grow my business and I'm working with business owners. I don't want it to show as I grow my business and I'm working with other business owners. Question, how do I transition my mindset and posture to be more of an authority figure? Any specific books or steps you took to transition your mindset? Um, My first thing was like, you have to move out of your aunt and uncle's house and take care of yourself 100% in order for you to be independent. Um, As long as you are receiving the help of others, that's just what it is. Um, It's almost delusional to think that it can be any other way. You aren't a boss unless you're writing and signing paychecks. Um, But more than anything, I don't know what is the obsession with becoming this authority figure. If you are in the I need help phase of my life, get all the help you need. Um, but understand what it is. You have to pay the cost to be the boss. And right now you aren't fully paying the cost, which is fine, but respect what others are doing for you. So it's not about transitioning your posture or your mindset. It's about actually working your way up to complete independence and killing that that is how you will be a boss. You know, it's like that posture and that mentality that somebody has when they stand in there. It's like, because they know that they are handling every single thing, right? It's like, I'm handling my mortgage, my car note. Um, I pay every single paycheck out of my pocket, the insurance, health insurance, all that. Like, so yeah, I can hold my head up you know, and puff my chest out a little bit, but there, I wasn't always able to do that. And when I was in the phase of life, you know, when I was in my early twenties, when I needed the help, it's just like, you have to just understand, humble yourself. This is, this is my, my phase of life where I am receiving the help of your aunt and uncle are being a great help to a one-year-old. You know what I mean? Accept that. And it's like, sometimes if you're living in their house, you have to follow the rules of the home in which you are staying in period. Like there's just no way around that. And if you don't want to follow the rules and you don't want to be, you don't want certain things said to you, then you move out and you do it for yourself. And that is how you become a boss when you are handling your life 100%, 155% on your own. Okay. I have another question says, um, I need help with enjoying the moment and staying present, please. About a month ago, I met a man that was in my city on business. He asked me out 
and we hung out twice while he was in town. At first, I was hesitant to accept his invitation because at the time I met him, I was in the middle of some transitions, a recent breakup, preparing to move and start a new job in a new city. I'm happy I did go out with him, though, because we had a great time. We didn't hook up or we didn't hook up in any way, just really nice conversations with lots of laughter. We've stayed in touch and communicate every day. So now he's planned a weekend to visit to come visit me he lives a few states away and we were both in our early 30s I want to be married one day and he mentioned albeit casually that he does too I like that he's taken the initiative with getting to know me and I've been letting him lead the way letting him pursue me my issue with courtships in the past is that I can go off the deep end when I like someone as much as I do him I can project a lot of energy onto budding situations and fixate on where the relationship is heading rather than where it is how do I stop doing this I want to live in the moment and let things happen organically. If we lived in the same city, this would probably be easier because dating would be lower hanging fruit. The distance means more money and time are involved. I've been playing it cool, but under the surface, my wheels are spinning. I have worked hard to achieve other things in my life, mapping out and committing to achieving different goals. It's difficult for me to take a passive approach with matters of the heart. I love your podcast and would appreciate any light you can shed. And I, I just have in caps before I even wrote anything. I used to be the same way. I was like, oh my God, did I write this? Did did five year ago or maybe even 10 year ago, my league write this. And so I was like, you meet a guy, you go out on a decent date and I can plan our whole lives together in about 24 hours. So these are the tips. These are some things you guys that I had to work on to not be this girl. And so you are not alone in this. And I said, number one, Be fair to yourself and give yourself time to see if this person is even the right fit for you. I think we are so excited that someone is interested in us and giving us time that we aren't able to do our due diligence. Does this guy have the values that I want someone to have, right? It's so easy to fall for someone over the weekend, over two dates, But, you know, when you really start to dig into things and over the phone, but once you, you know, it's like once you start dating someone further and you go to their home and you realize that maybe, you know, the way they keep their home is not the way that you necessarily would or you find out some some deep issues you know their family life how do they handle their family life what matters to them and so it's just like you know you don't know what his goals or his ambitions how are those things set up um or you know one thing that I have found real talk like I've gotten into people and then over time you realize like this person is just going to be too much work and I always say you know in the beginning or this is my dad always says, my dad was like, everybody, you're dating that person's representative, right? Everybody is showing up with who they want you to think they are. You are doing it. He's doing it. But you can't really plan your lives together mentally until you truly find out who he is. And the only thing that's going to help you do that is time. Um, And, you know, if you're a planner like me, And putting things, you know, putting time limits on things helps you to rationalize things, then do that, right? Like, I'm not going to do this until we have spent, you know, 24 whole hours together. And I can tell you that 
there have been people that I thought were decent until you go out of town with them. There is nothing like being holed up in a hotel room or on a trip with somebody to understand real fast if this is the person for you. Like I remember this one time I went on a trip with a guy and I just swear to God, it was just like we got there, most beautiful place in the world. And that first morning that I woke up with him there, I was like, I will not wake up another morning with this person in my life. And you know how I didn't know that because because it wasn't like consistent time spent. You know, it's really easy for somebody to be great to you when you've been working all day and just zip you off to dinner or, you know, on the weekends, you're always doing something fun. But then when you realize, you know, day in and day out, because that's what living with someone and truly cohabitating with them is, it's like, oh, no, you're not my person. So. Is he going to be too much work? Number two, do not assume that you're anything more than what you two have discussed. If he hasn't mentioned dating exclusively and you don't want to ask, then you are not. Um, if you are not dating exclusively, you should continue dating and hanging out with others and still kind of keeping that door open um, to, to meeting other people because he may or may not be doing the same thing. And I know a lot of different people or I see, you know, I was taught to kind of like never ask. Right. And I don't even know who taught me that. I don't know if it was familial or it was just something I picked up from my girls, but like, you know, always kind of like let a man tell you where you are, because if you ask, then you're thirsty. And it's like, if me asking you what your intentions are, you know, where you think this is headed makes me look thirsty, then maybe I'm not the one for you because I don't like, you know what I mean? It's like, we'll ask and get down to the business and the facts of a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, you have your friends can't even put you in the car and take, you know, where are we going? What time are we getting there? Who's going to be there? But we won't do that when we're dating. And it's just like, we don't, you know, like you said, playing it cool. And it's like, this is your life. You know, you want to be married. You don't have time to play it cool. You know, just like how you said you've been vicious about your goals and getting places professionally, you have to be the same way. So it's like, you're not playing it cool professionally. So don't play it cool in the love life. If you want to know, ask. And if asking someone a very basic question offends them, then they're, that's easy. Like, then you're not the one for me because we are adults. We are in our thirties and maybe you're in a space where you're just dating for fun, but I'm dating, I'm dating because because I'm trying to, because I want to settle down and I want to have a family. And these are the things, these are my life goals. And there's nothing wrong with having life goals. You know, I think I just, I don't like how we tell women to not talk about these things. Or if you do talk about these things, then you're thirsty or desperate. And I just don't believe it. It's just like, this is how you manage your life, period. You know, it's not like, oh, we need to get, if you don't marry me in six months now, that's problematic. But to just ask, and find out where someone stands, that helps you make a more informed decision. I don't know. I think I told you guys about the time I was dating this guy. Do you know I dated this guy for six months? And I never, and I remember going to my mom and be like, oh my God, mom, he has three kids. And she was like, well, did you ever ask? And I was just like, no, because I would just assume somebody with three kids would just talk about their three kids, but he didn't. And so that was my lesson to ask ask what you want to know and what matters to you ask if they want to have children if having children means the world to you ask that crap straight up um number three uh don't be afraid oh this is I guess I kind of bled into number three don't be afraid to ask what he hopes for the two of you number it is I have no it is not all in his hands 
Um, ask because I have found that just rolling along, waiting for someone to tell me that they were interested, that stuff has never really panned out. And I think sometimes people take advantage of the fact that women don't want to come off as thirsty. So it's like, let me just string you along because I know that you're going to be busy playing it cool and not ask, not the kid. Um, some people, number four, some people are serial deep dive daters. They get off on taking women out, getting them all into them and just leaving them hanging. Narcissists beware. There are plenty of guys who go out on business trips, meet women, you know, wine and dine them all over the weekend, go back home. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're back cutting up and it's just recognize that for what it is. People do that all the time and just make sure that you're not caught up in someone's web of BS. I have been caught up in various webs of BS. Um, number five is my final, my motto is it's nothing until it's something. If a man wants to ensure um, you that he is with you and with you only, he will make himself clear in words and in actions Anything that leaves you wondering or guessing is a no. And I have, and don't debate me on that. If you're guessing and you're wondering, the answer is it's a no. Because somebody who really wants you is not going to leave you hanging like that. I promise you that. Okay. So the next question is, thank you for blessing my life lately. You're very welcome. How do you manage your expectations of your friends so as to not be let down? What's the line between expecting slash waiting around for them to celebrate you and your successes and celebrating your damn self? For context, I am a huge birthday person and consistently put a great deal into celebrating my friends but I don't feel I get the same in return. And I was like, oh my God, she's that girl. Um, and, and no diss to you, but I know that girl and I am not that girl. And so I just said, celebrate birthdays because that's your thing and it's what you're into and not because you're hoping to get it back. Right. Because I think that that hurts more. It's like, if you love celebrating birthdays, put that energy and effort into throwing a big blowout party, um, for yourself. And sometimes I do that, but if you're like, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to throw all these friends bomb birthdays in hopes that when my birthday comes they'll all get together and throw me a bomb one it just doesn't work like that so um I said I always feel bad for the girl waiting around for people to blow her birthday out because it's what she wants or thinks that her friends should do because she's done it um I would say that my parents are pretty big birthday people I am not um, I have no expectation for anyone to do anything for my birthday. If I want to blow it out, I do it for myself, which I have. And, um, hope I said, hope that your friends love you enough to bail you out of those hard times or be there when you need them most. I know it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around, but it's your birthday and it's up to you to celebrate you. And it's not personal at all. Um, and I said, or you could be like my dad and always tell people that you have an expectation of a sentimental birthday card. My dad is always like that. Like I always know if he, if you don't like, you can't just get him any card. He wants a card that feels like it is written by you. And so, uh, we joke about it and we laugh because that really matters to him. And I think, you know, just kind of let your friends know what really matters to you and give them something reasonable that they could, that they could do um, to make you, to make you feel better, let them know, you know what I mean? It's like send out a mass email. Y'all know how I feel about my birthday. This is my address. Send me a card. You can email me something. Um, but I say, save the money that you would spend blowing out their birthdays, blow out your birthday and invite your friends to celebrate with you because that's really what it's all about.
Okay. Uh, here we go. Hello, my league. I love your podcast and listen every time you drop something new. I am 26. I've earned my bachelor's in communication with a host of internships and experience. I got my first big girl job, which was a contract position, junior business analyst, which I hated, made it about seven months and my contract wasn't extended. That was in 2013. Soon after graduation, I decided to create my first business, which did not hit success like I wanted. So I went on to pursue cosmetology in 2015. And now I am a licensed cosmetologist with a communication degree. I've been fired from three jobs since college, and I am fully aware I do not like working for others, which is why I pursue cosmetology to have the freedom and flexibility. My question is, how can I combine my passion for communication and hair without sounding like I'm confused? My first business was a communication firm. I worked on it for a year before moving on to hair school, but I miss it dearly and desire to use my degrees to bring me success without having to work a nine to five. Any advice to bridging the two? Thanks so much. So I was like, you're going to have to work a nine to five plus if you want to see success. I think that you believe that there is a shortcut or life hack around working for others. There is none. Whether you own the company or work for the company, you work for someone. It's either the boss or the clients or the customers. You work for whoever is cutting the check. So the first thing we have to do is a mindset shift. We have to shift our mindset about, I don't want to work for people. And I know that's what these Insta, Insta whoever heroes are saying, but it's like, we all work for somebody. I work for the thousands of customers that subscribe to my business every month. I work for them. I also work for the employees that I that I have. It's like I have to do the work for them to, to provide them with the resources that they need to do their job. I work for a lot of people. So while I am the person who writes the check, in no way do I believe that I don't work for someone. Um, the contract wasn't extended and you were fired from the last three jobs because you weren't cutting it. Um, you, you cannot like a job or a field and still bring it. So I said, you're, I always tell people your personal brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. What kind of impressions do you leave on people? There's no business advice until you nail down reputation and work ethic. These things haven't succeeded because you aren't putting in the work or the time. How can anyone work for you if you never learn how to work for others? In order to lead, you first must follow, or if you want to be a great leader, you must first become a great follower. And I think that is where that is where the ball has been dropped in this is that it cannot be this mentality of like, I know why I'm not doing good because I don't want to work for others. That's not it. You're not doing good because you're the work that you're doing is not cutting it. So you have got to step up and you have got to step up and do great work when you don't like it, because I'm going to tell you this right now. It doesn't matter what business advice that I give you. You're it's not going to work if you think that you're going to like the work that you do every day. It's not going to work if you think that there's not going to be somebody that you're going to have to answer to. You know, it's like I have to answer to the clients. If somebody comes to me to do a job, I have to answer to them. So I, I, I made, I found something that says, um, to help you understand, if you want to be a great leader, you must first become a great follower. And I, and I got these notes from a gentleman by the name of Michael Hyatt. And he says, so, so what does a great follower look like? 
I would suggest great followers share at least five characteristics. Number one, they are clear. They understand their role. You can't be a good follower unless you have clearly identified the leader because there's always one. While you may be a leader in your own realm, everyone has a boss, including you. Great followers not only accept this fact, they embrace it. Number two, they are obedient. While obedience may be a politically incorrect concept, it is essential for organizational effectiveness. No one should be allowed to give orders who can't obey orders. This is how great leaders model the standards of acceptable behavior to their own followers. Number three, they are servants. This is crucial. Great followers are observant. They notice what needs to be done to help the leader accomplish his or her goals. Then they do it joyfully without grumbling or complaining. Number four, they are humble. Great followers don't make it about them. They are humble. They shine the light on the leader. They make their own boss look good, especially in front of his or her boss. Number five, they are loyal. Great followers never speak ill of their boss in public. This doesn't mean they can't disagree or even criticize. Yes, people aren't very helpful in the long run. It just means that they don't do it in public. Great followers understand that public loyalty leads to private influence. So that's how I feel about that. Uh, that is my quick sort of like, I just went through the email, you at gmail.com, answered a couple of questions. Um, you can always write me, you can tweet me, tell, tell me what you think about it, what you agree with, what you disagree with. That's what I always love about sharing with you is that we don't always have to agree. Um, but write me, I'd love to hear from you. Bye.